January 18, 1803. Confidential. Gentlemen of the Senate and of the House of Representatives, the River Missouri and the Indians inhabiting it are not as well known as is rendered desirable. It is, however, understood that the country on that river is inhabited by numerous tribes who furnish great supplies of furs. An intelligent officer with ten or twelve chosen men might explore the whole line, even to the Western Ocean. The appropriation of $2,500 would cover the undertaking. Thomas Jefferson In a secret message to Congress to win its support, Jefferson emphasized the potential commercial benefits of the expedition. But he told the ambassadors from France, Spain, and England, whose territories would be crossed, that it would be a purely scientific expedition. The British and French ambassadors wrote out passports assuring safe conduct. Distrustful of American motives, the Spanish declined, but Jefferson simply ignored their objections. At last, in early 1803, Jefferson's persistent dream of exploring the West for the sake of science commerce, and the national interest seemed about to be fulfilled. Captain Lewis is brave, prudent, habituated to the woods, and familiar with Indian manners and character. He is not regularly educated, but he possesses a great mass of accurate observation on all the subjects of nature which present themselves. Thomas Jefferson, February 28, 1803. To lead what he called his Corps of Discovery, the president turned to his personal secretary, Meriwether Lewis. Lewis had grown up in Jefferson's own Albemarle County, the serious-minded son of a planter who had died during the Revolution when Lewis was only five. By age 16, he was responsible for the welfare of his mother, brothers, and sisters. At 18, he eagerly volunteered for Jefferson's ill-fated Michaud expedition, but was turned down. Instead, the young Lewis had joined the regular army on the frontiers of western Pennsylvania and Ohio and made a name for himself as a promising officer before Jefferson brought him to Washington in 1801. There, as the new president's sole aide, he drew up a list of army commanders who could be expected to be loyal to the new administration, copied presidential documents, ran errands, and set up residence in what is now the East Room of the White House, the building the two men occupied, Jefferson wrote a daughter, like two mice in a church. During his two years of daily association with Jefferson, Lewis had also become intimately acquainted with the president's far-ranging interests in the West, its geography, its plants and animals, its people and their habits, and its potential for the young republic. Some considered Lewis an unlikely choice to command such an important expedition. Stiff and without grace, an acquaintance called him, bow-legged, awkward, formal, almost without flexibility. Levi Lincoln, the attorney general, worried that the 28-year-old Lewis might be too impulsive, take too many risks, and endanger this enterprise of national consequence. Jefferson himself had noted occasional depressions of the mind in Lewis, inherited, the president speculated, from his father, but still considered him the best man for the job. To prepare for the long journey, Lewis was dispatched that spring to Philadelphia, the home of the American Philosophical Society and the young nation's center of scientific learning. On his way, 
he stopped at the arsenal in Harper's Ferry for a supply of tomahawks and knives and 15 of the newest weapons being produced there, prototypes of a short-barreled 54 caliber rifle that was soon to be standard issue for the Army. For nearly three weeks, he studied celestial observations in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, under Andrew Ellicott, an eminent astronomer-surveyor. In Philadelphia, another month was consumed being tutored by four scientists at the University of Pennsylvania. Benjamin Smith Barton instructed Lewis on describing and preserving botanical specimens. Robert Patterson added more lessons in determining latitude and longitude. Caspar Wistar, an anatomist and authority on fossils, explained how to search for signs of ancient beasts, some of which were believed to still be living in the West. And for advice on medicine, Lewis turned to the nation's most esteemed physician, Dr. Benjamin Rush. The doctor assembled a medical kit for the explorer and lectured him on its uses, with heavy emphasis on the preferred treatment for most ills of the time, bloodletting, which Rush favored for everything from fevers to dislocated bones. Besides these crash courses in science, Lewis spent his time in Philadelphia acquiring supplies and going through most of the $2,500 Congress had appropriated. He bought compasses, quadrants, a telescope, and a chronometer, costing $250, needed to calculate longitude. For camp supplies, he purchased 150 yards of cloth to be oiled and sewn into tents and sheets, pliers, chisels, handsaws, hatchets, and whetstones, an iron corn mill and two dozen tablespoons, mosquito curtains, ten and a half pounds of fishing hooks and fishing lines, twelve pounds of soap, and one hundred and ninety-three pounds of portable soup, a thick paste concocted by boiling down beef, eggs, and vegetables, to be used if no other food was available on the trail. Some six hundred and sixty-nine dollars and fifty cents went for presents for the Indians he expected to encounter, Twelve dozen pocket mirrors, 4,600 sewing needles, silk ribbons, ivory combs, handkerchiefs, yards of bright-colored cloth, 130 rolls of tobacco, tomahawks that doubled as pipes, eight brass kettles, vermilion face paint, 33 pounds of tiny beads of assorted colors, plus much more. For the men he expected to accompany him, Lewis bought 45 flannel shirts for $71.10, coats, frocks, shoes, woolen pants, blankets, knapsacks, and stockings, powder horns, knives, 500 rifle flints, 420 pounds of sheet lead for bullets, and 176 pounds of gunpowder packed in 52 lead canisters that themselves could be melted down into bullets when empty. With his own money, he purchased a novelty item to impress the Indians he might meet, a long-barreled rifle that fired its bullet by compressed air, like a BB gun, rather than by flint, spark, and powder. By mid-June, as the army began transporting the 3,500 pounds of supplies to the Ohio River, Lewis was ready to return to Washington. He had decided he needed a co-commander, and he knew exactly which one he wanted.